Well, this morning, I don't want you to look up here and thinking you're going to get a two-for-one special because you're not. And so I just want to introduce Richard Gaspard to you. He's been with us before. Him and his wife, Daphne, were here about a year ago and sharing some of their story. And I'm not going to give any of that away because I know you're going to end up getting into that. So just so glad that you're here. Let's give him a great welcome. And then uh, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you guys for having me this morning. And thanks to Pastor Will. Actually, uh, yeah, we were here a year ago. And um, this is a little bit of a turning point in our ministry in that uh, this is the, the first church that's actually asked us to come back. And so, uh, yeah, so people actually want to hear more of what I have to say. I don't know. Um, but it's just so great to be with you this morning. And um, so if you weren't here last year or if you don't remember our story, uh, I was a media director at a really large church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, my wife worked uh, in real estate title and um, our youngest daughter had developed a, a uh, basically a first cousin to leukemia. She had a marker for AML. She had a bone marrow transplant, which cured that. And then she had a reaction to her new uh, immune system. And we were in the hospital for 10 months straight and then in and out of the hospital for another nine months until she passed away, uh, right just not long before her 17th birthday, uh, which was, that was in uh, July of 2017. And uh, we had written a book about our, our story with her. Uh, I tell people it's less a story of a sick girl and more of a story of um, a family learning to trust God through the worst of circumstances. And then we started a foundation uh, in Katie's honor. And um, so pa- Pastor wanted me to come back and, and share during his message series um, about bearing one another's burdens. And so obviously we did that as a couple uh, you know, through the journey, we got told a lot of things. One of the things that people said to us was, you guys are so inspiring. Your story is inspiring. And, you know, honestly, we don't, we don't feel inspiring. This, the walking through what we walked through didn't feel inspiring to us. We were just parents who wanted to do the right thing by our kid and, and by, our, by each other. We saw really, really terrible things in the hospital um, we were fortunate enough that uh, we were able to face this together. I, I, we both had resigned our jobs and just moved to Houston. And uh, there was, you know, one situation that comes to mind. There was a, a little girl next to our room in one of our stays there um, whose mom had checked out of the family a long time ago. And her dad had to work. So, I mean, she was alone for the, the couple of weeks that we were next to her. And, um, you know, we, we, we heard other families next to us when Katie was in ICU where, you know, the child passed away in the very next room. Um, and you're just separated by a glass door and a couple of curtains and you, you hear all of that going on. And, um, you know, through it, we just did what we had to do. And honestly, I, we had gone through a parenting class when Katie was really young. She has an older sister who's three years older than her. And we went through this, this parenting thing. And, and uh, I remember there was a statement that was made during it that said that you're a family before you have kids. The act of getting married makes you a family. And kids are just an added blessing to that. So in reality, Daphne and I were a family before Kylie, our oldest, and Katie were born. And had Katie not passed away when she did, we would be empty nesters 
at this point already. This would, Katie would be in her second semester of college right now. So we were a family before our kids were born, and we're still a family today. And we travel and speak, and we talk a lot about what it means to, to be like Jesus. Actually, if you may recall, when, I, when we were here last year, I talk about how to be Jesus to people in a, in a real and concrete way when they're going through things. And that's just been something that's been on my heart for the last couple of years, just to, just to live a life like Jesus. And so what does that even look like in terms of serving one another and bearing others' burdens? You know, it's interesting that the one person who could have demanded that people serve him asked people to follow him, and he washed feet, and he offered to make burdens light. You know, the, the one who demanded others serve him was actually Satan himself. In uh, Matthew 4.11, you know, Jesus had gone away uh, to, on a fast, and when he came back, the devil tempted him with his hunger, and he also tempted him with power, and then he tempted him with status. That's when, you know, Satan brought him to the mountaintop and said, if you bow down to me, I'll give all this to you. It was all Jesus's to begin with, but Satan was trying to tempt him with that status, just trying to get Jesus to bow down to him. But that's not how Jesus does things. He doesn't demand that people serve him. He asks people to follow him. And, you know, asking people to follow him always comes with a benefit. When he saw uh, Andrew and Peter out there fishing on the boat, he went to them and said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So he didn't walk out and say, hey, you guys, you need to serve me or else. He said, follow me. He walked with them. You know, there's, there's something to be said about that. Jesus doesn't walk around like he's this high and mighty, although he is high and mighty, but he offers to walk with us. I saw an internet meme the other day that said, what would you do with the last 24 hours of your life? And it was something like, you know, would you travel? Would you do this? Would you do that? And then it said, Jesus washed feet. Jesus, knowing he was about to be betrayed, knowing he was about to go in front of, you know, the court and, and be crucified, he washed feet. John 13, uh, 1 through 17, gives the account of Jesus in the upper room. And it's interesting there because he washed even Judas's feet, the, the man who would betray him. He washed Peter's feet, who considered himself unworthy. And he also left a great example for us by washing feet. You know, I travel a lot with my job. I, I now work for a company that is a, a professional audio gear manufacturer. We make, uh, you know, like PA mixers, speakers. We make studio recording software and all of that. Uh, I'm their house of worship manager. I, I sell to churches. I help resource ministry from, from the company. But I'm also over all of our trade show logistics and all of our events. And I do a lot of our trade shows. And those are long days. Actually, I'm here in San Antonio because I just finished working a trade show uh, over uh, in, at the convention center by the, by the Riverwalk. It was the Texas Music Educators Association. And we had a booth there. And these are really long days. You're on your feet all day, and then you take clients out to dinner that night and all. And I remember a guy who I work with, his name is Ray, and he had mentioned something about the idea of working all day and then having to be on to work with the client afterwards. And he, and he said this. He said, you know, if you're ever really tired, 
but you know you've got more day at the end of the day, go back to your hotel room, roll up your pants, take off your shoes and your socks, and wash your feet, and you'll feel refreshed. So it's interesting that Jesus washed feet. And what the, the idea of washing feet is that it refreshes the person that you're washing their feet. And I mean, we could talk about this literally and figuratively. You're serving them, you're refreshing them, but you refresh yourself as well. And we're really talking about serving one another, which we're very uncomfortable with in our society. You know, we oftentimes, sadly, even in the church world, tend to abuse waiters or, you know, waitresses, wait staff. Uh, we kind of tend to think of them as our little servants, and we get upset with them over stuff that happens at the restaurant that may be something beyond their control. Um, we think of people who serve as somehow less than, when in reality, Jesus has served people, and, and Jesus, you know, views people who serve as actually greater in the kingdom. There is a, a music gear, musical instrument, music gear retailer out there called Sweetwater. They're located in Fort Wayne, Indiana. They are the world's largest music, musical instrument and audio gear manufacturer. Um, I'm sure you guys in the band all know about Sweetwater, tech guys. I've personally and professionally spent thousands of dollars with Sweetwater myself. So now that I work for this, this company, I go to their um, annual show that they do where, where we can show all of our products and they sell from the show. It's called Gear Fest, and it happens every summer. It's Fort Wayne, Indiana, and um, it was founded by a guy by the name of Chuck Sirock. Chuck is a saxophone player, uh, was dissatisfied with the level of music stores that was in his town, and they opened up a music store. And then he built it up, built it up, bought a couple of online re retailers. Now they do about $800 million in annual revenue. And so they do this show every year called Gear Fest, and, we're, and, and we, we work it. This past year, now in the lobby of Sweetwater, they also have an eye clinic, they have a doctor's clinic, they have a, they've got a health club there, all for their employees to use. And they also have like a little cafe, and they've got a cafeteria for their employees. And so when, when we go to this thing, we eat in the cafeteria. Well, they often do um, free meals for the vendors. So I was getting lunch the first day of the show uh, last year, and um, I had my badge. There was this lady about this tall, very thin, a little bit older than me, and I said, excuse me, is this where vendors are supposed to go to eat? She says, yeah, yeah, just go through the line and then show your vendor badge when, when you're done and it'll be free. I said, thank you, I appreciate that. So I went through the line, sat down and ate, and just as I was almost done, the same lady comes up to me and says, can I take your tray from you? I was like, well, sure, I appreciate that, you know. I'm like, wow, this, this lady is like really hustling. And uh, so she takes my tray, and then I said, oh, by the way, how, how can I get my drink refilled? They you know, the, the people were in front of the soda machine just handing out drinks. She goes, I'll refill your drink for you too. So she took my tray and shook my drink. She disappears. She comes back and says, sir, I forgot to tell you, you have to take the lid off of your drink. So, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. And so I'm sitting, and when I grab the cup and the lid, I see her name tag. And her name tag said Lisa Serac. 
And I said to her, I asked her, I said, are you the Lisa Serac? And she says, I'm a Lisa Serac. <laughs> but if, you, if you're asking me if I'm Chuck's wife, then yes. And I immediately just said, what are you doing here? And she says, well, I, I want our company to have a good show. <laughs> and I was like, if I were the wife of the guy of the hundred millionaire doing this show with 40,000 people, and it's a madhouse, I'd be planning a girl's trip right now. <laughs> I would get out of Dodge. But it really clicked with me that these people deserve every bit of success that they have. Because she's their servant. She's there taking trays. The next day I saw her, same thing, in the, in the little cafe area. She's, she's little, and she's walking with her arms extended with trays all the way up to here. Just like, just like walking like this. She's serving people, literally washing people's feet. And, you know, again, she's, the, the, the desire to do the right thing trumps the benefits of all of her money. Another thing that Jesus did when he came to the earth is to offer to make burdens light. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says this, Come unto me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So when I think about taking Jesus' yoke upon me and letting him bear my burdens, this is kind of what I think it looks like. And uh, that would be me on the left. And uh, for, for, more, for more reasons than one, um, you know, my, my legs are a little bit thicker than, than that donkey's legs, but honestly, I feel like all the time, I'm just this weak-kneed donkey person who is tethered to the, to the big, strong ox. I, I guess in this case, that's more of a cow. But, you know, I'm pulling on Jesus. Let's go this direction. And he's like, no, we're going this direction. Or I'm pushing on Jesus saying, I want to go this direction. But he's saying, no, let's go this direction. Taking Christ's yoke is sometimes difficult, but it's always simple. And it always produces a harvest well beyond what we can do by ourselves. So if I'm the donkey and I've got my own yoke and I'm pulling, you know, a plow, my rows are going to be just crazy crooked. Because I'm going over here, and then I'm like, oh, look, new shiny thing over here. And then I'm going over here. Oh, look at this wind of doctrine, <laughs> and I want to go over here, and all of that. But harnessed to the strong ox, my rows are going to be straighter. So not only is the burden lightened for me, it's more efficient, because it's doing what the strong ox is wanting to do. If Jesus were here today, he'd probably still invite us to take that yoke. He'd probably still wash some feet. And in our journey with Katie from April 13th, 2015, when she was first diagnosed until July 20th, 2017, we tried to do that for her 
and for each other, and we're still doing it today. We shared the burden of Katie's care, just as Galatians says that we should share one another's burdens. We did that as a family. For a while, um, so to, to just give you a little bit more of a perspective, you know, I was on staff at this church. They gave me a four-month sabbatical when Katie had her transplant. They said, just go take care of your child. I'm, I maybe did about five hours of work a week just kind of supervising and, and okaying product, projects and stuff, but my team took care of it. The pastor of the church actually stepped forward in, in my place to guide the team. And then we were home for about five weeks, and Katie went back into the hospital with what is known as graft-versus-host disease, where she, it was her new immune system that was attacking her body, and it was her GI tract, which is the, the hardest one to combat. And she had one of the worst cases they'd ever seen. And I tried to make it work after being off another month, knowing that that scenario was going to be unsustainable for the church. The pastor and I talked about me coming back to work. So I would be in Lafayette, which is about four hours, three and a half hours from Texas Children's. I'd be in Lafayette three days a week, in Houston four days a week, or in Lafayette four days a week. Houston three days a week, and um, it just, it wasn't sustainable, and, um, and so I ended up resigning, but we had people who, who did things for us while we were there, a, a, a lady I've known since kindergarten, she and her husband are uh, very, very blessed financially, they're both chemical engineers for Chevron, and uh, they live in one of the most affluent, actually the most affluent city in Texas, which is... Um, West University, it's just west of Rice University, highest per capita income in the state of Texas. They had a fourth bedroom that had its own bathroom, and they let us have, have the room for about four months. And we just traded off, staying with Katie and, and, and then being about a mile away. A little while later, we had an apartment given to us, and then we, then we had someone... F rent an apartment for us and we were able to buy some furniture. We bought cheap furniture but we bought an expensive mattress so that we could get some sleep but you know the, the, our, uh, swapping off when Katie was in the hospital, day one was in the plushy mattress but day two was in the medieval torture device known as the hospital couch and um, actually one time Katie got in the hospital couch she saw it was so comfortable she wanted to sleep there so I slept in the bed and I told the night nurse don't come taking blood samples from me. She's, she's over there. But we served Katie. And we served one another. We bore each other's burdens. We shared Katie's burdens even through the most unimaginable hardship. Somewhere in 2016, I was going through my files on my computer. And I came across this picture. And this was... Katie was quite young here, and um, this was actually taken somewhere in the Smoky Mountains on a family vacation, and I had the idea when I saw that of, I held your hand on the mountain, and I'll hold your hand in the valley. We 
We bore each other's burdens and we did it without thinking about our own status. My wife did it instantly. When she quit her job to go be a mommy, she dived in with both feet. She dove in with both feet. I, however, resigned my position and got a job in Houston. I was working for a church about 45 minutes south of town. It was actually paying me more money than the church I was at. And then uh, about three months later, I got another job offer, and I went part-time at that church and took another job, and I was making even more money. And I thought that was going to be my contribution to help us build a life in Houston. Well, that second job didn't pan out for reasons that are really, were really unfair. I, uh, I, I fell victim to someone who was a complete narcissist who was actually the pastor's son. And we ended up parting ways. And um, that was the Saturday after Father's Day of 2016. And Katie was in ICU at that point. So the Sunday after Father's Day, I was with them in ICU. And time just drug on. And I had to apologize to my wife. For viewing my role as the breadwinner, I had a sense of pride that I became something from Lafayette and actually turned it into more of a financial stability situation in Houston. And that was almost all taken away from me. I still had the one day a week job at the church south of town. But I had to apologize to her. And I had to ask God to forgive me because... I was trying to build this life together as a financial provider when I was supposed to be building it as a husband and a daddy. And thus began almost a year of me just concentrating on being a husband and being a daddy. We had a GoFundMe and people were giving them to it. We had another account through the Children's Organ Transplant Association that people were giving to that as well. We were also the beneficiaries, as I said, of that apartment, uh, the His Grace Foundation, which is an incredible, incredible foundation that helps uh, people going through pediatric bone marrow stem cell transplants. They gave us an apartment for three months, and then I did some graphic design work for them, and they extended it a month. We went on Medicare as a family. I was very embarrassed to admit that because I was used to making all the money. And, we, and sharing that embarrassment with my friends, you know, they're all like, man, we know who you are. You're not going to just, you know, just take advantage of the government. When this is all over with, you're going to get a job and, and start contributing to society. But it really hurt my pride to have to know that we were on Medicare as a family. But that helped us bear the burden. There's a Harley-Davidson place in Lafayette called Cajun Harley, aptly named. And um, they, do, they do a lot of benefits for organizations and for people. One thing they do every year is called the Jeep Jaunt. And uh, it's all the Jeep owners, they come and they show off their, their Jeeps and stuff. It raises about $14,000, $15,000 a year for the American Lung Association. We had a friend who had a, she had a stem cell transplant as an adult. And someone did a benefit for her. 
And at the time, it broke all the records for uh, an, an individual. Uh, her name is Kendra. And she raised about ni- they raised about $9,600 for Kendra. A normal amount for uh, an individual was about $2,500. So she smashed all the records. We did, they did a benefit for us, for Katie, and we raised $26,000. It's still to this day, almost three years ago, uh, almost four years ago, the largest amount raised for an individual at Cajun Harley. And I, I believe this is all a result of me letting go of my career, letting go of my need to be somebody other than, than a daddy. At that event, a friend of mine named Keith gave us a check for $10,000. And I said, Keith, this is so hard for me to, to receive. This is so humbling. And he says, Richard, how long have you been in ministry? And I said, well, in some form or another, about 20 years. And he said, you have always gotten paid for being in full-time ministry to people and being paid by people giving as unto the Lord. It's just been funneled through a ministry organization. But now we see you ministering to your family full time. And we want to support that directly. Still giving as unto the Lord. Again, I could have tried to hold on to my career, but I didn't. In March of 2017, Katie was really doing well. We were out of the hospital for an entire month. And my wife and I had the discussion of maybe one of us should consider going back to work. Now, I worked in the razor-thin market segment of church media. And she worked at a real estate title company. So you could pretty much guess who got a job first. We, We said, whoever gets a job first becomes the breadwinner of the house. Well, she sent out resumes on a Sunday night and had a job offer on Monday. So she went to work, and I became Katie's caretaker. So in a year's time, the tables had completely turned. And I went from the breadwinner and having the pride in that to being, I guess I was a kept man. But... um, So it was me and Katie, and we used to say that all the time, you and me, me and you, it's us. I would get her wheelchair, would pack it in the car and and, and all of that, back and forth. When we'd be inpatient, it would be me with her all day while Daphne was working. One time while we were inpatient, one of the nurses said, I can't tell you that you could probably go outside if you wanted to. So obviously we went outside. Precious little moment, I smuggled my daughter out of the hospital. We probably weren't supposed to, but we did it anyway. Katie loved food. She's that little Cajun girl. She wanted to eat crawfish one time that we were out of the hospital. So daddy took her to eat crawfish. For her, eating was a pleasure, but it was always followed by lots of hardship because of the gastrointestinal issues. But I got to take my little girl for just something that reminded her of home. She loved to swim. And one day she said, Dad, can we just go to the pool? Now, she wasn't able to get in the pool. You can see her her metaport and everything. But she just wanted to put her feet in the water. So that's actually my wife's swimsuit. 
and she put it on. You know, she couldn't be outside for very long. But so we went and we swam. Well, she put her feet in the water and I, I just kind of hung out. Our last family outing together, she wanted to go to the aquarium there in downtown Houston. So we took her. She had a bunch of quarters for her to be able to play the games. And she didn't win anything at all. But we found that. We joked about it. It's like, Katie, it's the wheelchair. They just gave her stuff. They gave her all kind of stuffed animals. They gave her that hat. It was the most ridiculous hat. But Daphne was working that day. So we went a little early, and we looked at all the fish. Katie loved fish. We had a couple of fish in our apartment. We went and looked at all the fish. And then when Daphne texted me that she got there, we just went backwards in the line and then we went through it again so she could look at the fish again. This was a Thursday. The next day was a clinic visit when her doctor was saying, if you want to go home a weekend, we could probably make that happen. Her 17th birthday was coming up, and we were making a list of who we would invite to her birthday party should we be able to go back home. The Saturday... She felt ill. Sunday passed out a couple of times. Monday, we were back in ICU. That was July 3rd of 2017. And that was our last hospital stay. Three weeks later, she was gone. Father's Day of 2017, she was inpatient. I was doing a consulting job with a church on the south west side of Houston, and um, she was getting discharged, and uh, so I went over to the hospital, and she had the whole room decorated. My wife decorated it for her, but it was all Katie's idea, a bunch of blue balloons and pictures and everything, and then as we were leaving, going, I was there in my car, my wife was there in, in her SUV, and Katie said, can I drive home? She never licensed. And of course, my wife was like, I'm having none of this. <laughs> so I let my wife take my car, and I let Katie drive back to the apartment. This is Holcomb Boulevard in the middle of the med center in Houston, Texas. Now, it was a Sunday, so there wasn't a whole lot of traffic going on. We only lived about a mile from the hospital. This is Father's Day of 2017, about a month before she passed. I could have said, no, Katie, we'll, we'll do it some other time. But I let her do it. My time with Katie was refreshing to me. As I was washing her feet, as I was bearing my, helping my wife bear the burden. And as a result, I have zero regrets. The morning Katie passed away, five hours after her death, we were going back to our apartment. Kylie, her older sister, went into the apartment. I stopped Daphne on the curb, and I said, do you have any regrets? And she said, not one. And I said, me neither. After her funeral, we didn't have a house in Louisiana. We had sold our house, when we, you know, and so we didn't, we didn't own a place. A friend of ours let us stay at his house, gorgeous estate home, and 
we were driving back to his house. This is after Katie's funeral. And Daphne says to me, remember when you asked me if I had any regrets? I said, yeah. And she said to me this, if you had tried to hold on to your career and make me face this alone, I would have some serious pent-up resentment with you right now. I've made some really bad decisions in my life. I've made some good decisions in my life. But this is one decision that I'm proud that I made. I gave up everything to bear the burdens of my child. I gave up everything to bear the burden with my wife. We did it because Katie was worth it. A couple of days after Katie's last time going back into ICU, she had another GI bleed. She had had one in months. I was scheduled to fly out the next day to go see her older sister who was studying music at Hillsong in Australia. I told Katie I wasn't going to go. I'd already canceled my flight. Katie, through the ventilator, kept saying no, 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 and, and, and saying Kylie, Kylie, with the vent in her, in her mouth. And I was like, no, baby, she'll be fine. I'm staying here with you and your mother. She says, Kylie, Kylie. She finally asked for something to write with. I gave her, we gave her a pen and paper, and she wrote this. She wasn't thinking of herself. She was thinking of her sister. Another time, a year before that, I don't know if you noticed in the, in the bathing suit pic, her, her, her skin was all messed up. She had gotten all bloated because of the steroids. She had stretch marks. She had scars all over her body. She was used to me seeing her completely unclothed. And one day, I asked her how she felt about her scars, about the stretch marks. Her response to me was, Daddy, Jesus has his scars, and I have mine. But even if she wasn't this awesome, funny, beautiful, friendly, godly, thoughtful, and all the adjectives, she was worth it. My marriage was worth it. We just celebrated 25 years of marriage, uh, December 16th. A little earlier in the year, we took our, uh, a dream vacation for us. We went to um, London and then Ireland for two weeks. This is on the Cliffs of Hoth. This is just outside of Dublin where we did a, a vow renewal. And, um, you know, I'm a blessed man. Actually, a year ago, we have another picture of Daphne with our, our little bougie French bulldog, Lucy. That was for Lucy's first birthday, so we got party hats and... I don't think she really even knew what was going on, but um, it was actually, we were here, and someone talked to, to us after service. They came to our book table and said, how are you guys doing this? We hear that, you know, couples bury a, chill, a child, and they get divorced and everything, and I literally said, have you seen my wife? <laughs> Lightning's not striking me twice. I will never do this again. But our marriage was worth it. We still bear each other's burdens. We take turns falling apart. But the other one is there with us. You know, sometimes we want God to do the miraculous, but he wants us to be the miracle for someone else. So we continue to bear other burdens. Last year we announced that we were going to be doing a scholarship. Katie wanted to go to ministry school, so we're going to give scholarships to young women who want to attend ministry school. Well, we just did our first inaugural Still Rising scholarship to Michaela Price. 
found out after she won the scholarship, Michaela was in Katie's eighth grade homeroom. She wasn't a believer. She knew Katie had gotten sick, but then didn't know what happened. She ended up becoming a Christian, started going to our church, the church we were both on staff at, shortly before Katie passed away. And when she found out Katie was, Katie's funeral was going to be at her church, it all clicked for her. We just funded her Bible school, paid almost half of it with Still Rising Foundation funds, what you guys helped us accomplish. We've done gift cards to the His Grace Foundation. We've given over $10,000 in gift cards. We've, um, we have a, an, another young man who was a week behind Katie in his transplant, and every year he has a re-birthday party where people bring toys, not for Colton, but for the bone marrow unit. We were able to do a $500 donation for that to buy toys for kids at Texas Children's going through stem cell transplants. We've sent kids to youth camp, to conventions. We're actually talking about the folks, uh, we're talking with the, the folks who are at the district level of our denomination. We have a district campground, and we want to get something at the campground named after Katie. My, my girls lived their entire summers every year at this campground from when they were little. Uh, the current idea on the table is a water slide into the lake. Probably name it the Mac or the Katie Mac or the Big Mac or something like that. Christ's yoke will always lead towards redemption and restoration. And if you'll bear other people's burdens, it'll do the same for them. So I just want to leave you with four questions and I'm done. Number one, how can you refresh others? Literally washing feet, probably not talking about that. Figuratively, how can you refresh other people? How can you see God moving in your circumstances? How can you see that God is working and wants to work on, on someone's behalf through you? How can God use you to be that miracle for someone else? Instead of waiting on God for the miracle, we have the ability to be the miracle. And how can your actions for someone else bear their burdens? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak to such a great church, such a great congregation. Lord, I'm so thankful and so honored. God, I pray that the words that I shared this morning would, would encourage and inspire folks to want to help shoulder the load, serve one another, bear one another's burdens. God, I thank you that I got to be Katie's dad. I thank you that I, got to, that I get to be a part of letting her legacy live on. And Lord, I just pray that what I've said today would just bear much fruit as people begin to share one another's burdens, as they serve, as they look for opportunities to be your literal hands and feet and the miracle in someone else's life. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name.